I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorette. On this episode, I have a conversation with Marissa Cabus. Isn't that nice? If the name of today's guest sounds familiar, you may remember my conversation with Marissa Cabus from last week. Marissa is an activist and a writer, and I had her on last week for a special episode to analyze the testimony of Michael Cohen. And Michael Cohen went before the Congressional Oversight Committee two weeks ago. You may remember that. So this is the second half of that conversation with Marissa. We ended up talking about the midterms and 2020, of course, and the Green New Deal, and you know, all sorts of politically nerdy things. But I wanted to ask Marissa specifically about a tool that she created last year during the midterm election cycle. Marissa created an online tool called Crush the Midterms. You may have heard of it. Celebrities used it, I used it. It was an immensely popular tool. So here is part two of my conversation with Marissa Cabus. So you created this amazing online tool for the 2018 midterms, and it was called Crush the Midterms. And I remember that tool because, first of all, I used it. And oh, awesome. <laughs> of course, yeah, I used it. It, it. I felt like at the time everyone was using it. So what it did, basically, it took your basic information, like your location and some other basic information, and it gave you an outline, a plan for what you can do to be involved in helping Democrats win the midterms. Do, do, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. We, we thought of it as sort of like a BuzzFeed quiz, but for volunteering for the midterms. So at the end, you, you got sort of a result, but it was based on all the different answers that you gave. So how much time could you afford to volunteer per month and how much money could you donate to competitive campaigns in your district um, and and what kind of special skills that you could bring to help a campaign ultimately get victory. So yeah, I think that a lot of people really responded to that format because we're so used to doing these these types of quizzes now. I think what set it apart is that it, it really gave you a very personalized look at, at the best things that you could do um, based on your own schedule. Because I think so many people say, oh, I don't have time to volunteer. I can't just drop everything and go knock on doors. But we weren't recommending anything that you didn't say you had availability or bandwidth for. Yeah, it, it turned out to be a really successful project. Yeah. And, you know, I remember, I remember when I started using it, I saw, I think celebrities started using it. I mean, do you remember that? How did you feel? Um, it was so exciting that it, it just felt like something that people were looking for and, and they really welcomed it with open arms. I mean, I, whenever you launch something new into the world, it's really scary because you've worked so hard on it. I'm, I know, I'm sure you know what that's like with the podcast and, and you always expect there's going to be a, a certain amount of detractors, but we really, it was so overwhelmingly positive and then to see really big names sharing it, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Hillary Clinton, but <laughs> she, she shared it and that was... Oh, wow. A total surprise. We didn't know that was coming. And I, um, myself and, and the rest of the team that, that worked on this, we just lost our minds. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And we did kind of crush the midterms. We totally crushed the midterms. It was so exciting. And the funniest part was I, I can clearly remember I, I, I didn't want to like go to a, a 
big watch party or anything on election night because I was too nervous and probably too scarred from 2016. And so I just like stayed home alone. And I was like on the edge of my couch just watching every result come in. And for some reason, I think maybe I just couldn't even allow myself to feel happy and excited that um, at the end of the night, I remember kind of turning off the TV, finally going to bed and being like, I think that went pretty well. And then the next morning, seeing the additional races come in and I'm like, wait, this is amazing. (laughs) This was everything we wanted and like more. So yeah, it was, it was really exciting. Yeah. That's funny. You know, I think a lot of people were in that place and I think we've kind of been in that place. You know, I think it's PTSD, honestly. (laughs) I mean, I think we've, we've been in that place for two years and, you know, I remember feeling the same thing and, you know, just being kind of too nervous to be excited because remember how excited I was in 2016 and just that, that feeling of, you know, that, that I don't even want to go back to that night. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to keep expectations low and then you can be surprised when things go well. Yeah, but so I've been thinking two things about this. Yeah, I remember I was thinking at the time and I and I had a, a few interviews, a few episodes kind of covering people who were working in this space, this kind of political online space that we're both in. And, you know, there was lots of energy, right? There's lots of energy. But what I felt was when you got offline, when you got outside of that online political bubble, the energy seemed to be not as, at least I didn't feel that it was as, as great as it was online, right? And yeah. what I love, first of all, what I loved about the tool was that you kind of merged those two worlds, right? The online and the offline. You got people offline to stop arguing on Twitter and to actually go and do something for candidates. <laughs> so I love that about the tool. And, you know, and I think, you know, you saw all of this, the tweeting of the hashtag, you know, the blue wave, and it was everywhere. But I feel like that's kind of dissipated or it's waned a bit, you know, since we had that big win. And that, and I find that really worrying. I mean, do you see the same thing? I, I think that with the midterms, there is something clear to coalesce around. Like we had this date looming and I think that people really started in earnest getting excited about the midterms, probably the beginning of, of last year. And so right now we don't have sort of an imminent date I and mean, we have the 2020 presidential election coming up next year, but we can't sustain that energy for so long. So I think it's sort of natural that there's a bit of a dip right now. But at the same time, I think this is actually the most important time for people to get offline, like you said, and actually get involved because this is the point when the important issues are being solidified for 2020. So if you care about something specific, if you want to lobby Congress on something, or if you just want to help a grassroots organization, now is the time to do it because the um, the campaigns are paying attention to that. For example, the environment, the Green New Deal, that was so activist driven and it caught the attention of so many legislators and it's it's a huge deal now and it's it's there's so much being talked about it. And so um, instead of just waiting for the candidates in 2020 to set the terms, now's the time to get really involved in whatever your pet issue is and, and really push it to be at, at the forefront of the conversation for the next, you know, 20 some odd months. Yeah, you know, I didn't actually intend to go in this direction, but what what are your thoughts on the Green New Deal since you brought it up? <laughs> I I think it's... Um, <laughs> Did I put you on the spot? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I, I don't know if I've like articulated it quite out loud yet, but I do have thoughts. Um, I think generally the... 
the energy and enthusiasm around it is amazing because the climate conversation has just been so stagnant for so long. And it's sort of mentioned in passing in people's platforms. And most Democrats say, oh, it's important. We need to stop climate change. But this is actually pushing a real conversation around it. So whether or not the goals in it are too ambitious to me, that's not really the point, um, because you have to shoot for the moon, especially when we, we have a situation that is causing imminent danger to our civilization. So for the people who are saying, oh, it's it's too ambitious, how are we going to pay for that? What what is what are they thinking? I mean, what are you thinking? <laughs> what, I don't think this is the, the moment for um, sort of being safe and just floating out any old policy ideas. Like this is a the probably number one example of an issue where we need really bold ideas to move anything through Congress. Yeah. So I think here's my feeling on it. I think people are arguing about the wrong thing, right? So I think that the argument or the debate should be around, you know, of course, of course, we want to modernize transportation. Of course, we want to get rid of fossil fuels and the other goals of the Green New Deal. So it's not that we disagree on the goals. Of course, we want all of these things, right? You know, money aside, having the House or the Senate aside and being able to pass those things aside, we all want those things. So the debate should be around how do we do it? right? Like what is the right. best and the fastest way to do this? Why would we not want those goals? Right. Like let's take what has already been proposed and work with it. Yeah. And so th- that's what the argument is around. And I don't think that's highlighted enough. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I just think that scrapping the whole thing and going back to square one, what is that going to accomplish? And that's just going to take us further away from actually agreeing on solutions. Yeah. So as far as, you know, the energy waning for 2020, so I have some thoughts on that because it isn't talked about enough. The fact that we have Senate seats and congressional seats, and we also have some special elections between now and 2020. And like you said, now is the perfect time for people to start getting involved. Although, you know, that energy hasn't started to ramp up yet. So I had some ideas about what people should be doing, and I'm just going to list them out Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So first of all, I think that you should sign up to volunteer for your favorite candidates early, right? Sign up to volunteer. And if you can, you should donate and set up an automated donation, right? If you can afford that. Because I think what people, you know, we've got six women running and there's been research and studies that say that women get fewer volunteers and we get fewer donations and they really need that early support to get their campaigns off the runway. You know, I mean, Kamala Harris has been really, she has a really well-oiled campaign, but the other women aren't quite so, you know, they haven't gotten off the runway as quickly. And so I think people should support their favorite candidates early. That's my first thing. Yes, yes, I agree. I mean, it's like Emily's List, the famous organization, early money is like yeast. Um, So we need that early money for for these women to, to get off the ground. Yeah. And, and also support those local races, the Senate and House races. I mean, you can find that easily online. What seats are going to be up for 2020? You can find that out and then find out who's running and possibly run yourself, right? Like, you know, yes. There, there's, yes, there's run. Run. <laughs> exactly. You know, run for something. That's another organization. Right. And then also get involved in, you know, volunteering for these organizations. Like you just mentioned, Emily's List. And of course, a few of my other favorites are, you know, Get Her Elected. Mm-hmm. That's an organization that, you know, gets people to volunteer services for uh, for women candidates, you know, digital services. You know, you can, you know, help them make spreadsheets or help them make ad campaigns. Yes, such a great organization. I, yeah. Really, really yeah, awesome. I, yeah. I love Get Her Elected. And then there's, of course, Spread the Vote. 
Spread the Vote is run by Kat Calvin. She was on an earlier episode last year. It, it's an organization that helps voters or just people, general, not necessarily voters, but helps people get IDs. So the point is, is that to find these organizations online and get involved early. Yeah. And another thing that I would recommend is that even if you're not quite ready to volunteer with a specific candidate yet, you can volunteer around certain issues that may be core to your chosen candidates platform. So for example, if a lot of of the candidates are are in favor of Medicare for All, there are a few different organizations like the Nurses Organization of America and the, the Democratic Socialists. They have a specific program for volunteering. That's just another idea of if you want to kind of help bolster your candidate's platform without specifically saying like, hi, I'm a volunteer with Kamala Harris and, and so on and so forth. Right. And so here's the thing, you know, we've got 68 people running in the Democratic primary. So you've got... <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> I'm joking. I don't know how many there are. There's like 15 or something. There's 12. I don't know how many. I'm joking. It's not yeah. 16. <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> You've got a lot to choose from, right? Yeah. And and, and it's overwhelming. Choice can be overwhelming, but I, I think it's it's great. I, I think the more choices, the better. And, and I may be, that may be a controversial thing to say, but it's to me feels like the bedrock of democracy. So you can have your free will and you can choose from people who represent a lot of different viewpoints, which is is really exciting to me. Yeah, yes. I also think it's a good thing. I don't know why it would be controversial, but I think it's a, for me, this is another thing that I think isn't talked about a lot. I think it's a good thing because what I think Democrats are doing, whether it's intentional or whether it's just, you know, it wasn't intentional, is that they're kind of setting the tone for who the Democrats are. So they've got representatives from, you know, the entire spectrum of Democrats. You've got, you know, people who are farther left and people who are kind of in the middle. And then you've got different racial groups represented. You've got men, you've got women, you know, you've got, you know, someone from the LGBTQ community. And it's just saying, this is our coalition. This is who we are. And this is who we represent. And I think that's great to kind of, you know, create a wall. It's like creating our own wall, right? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. We're basically basically showcasing the face of the party. And there's not just one face for the Democratic Party. They they come in a lot of different forms. Whereas when you look at the Republican side, it's uh, white guys in red ties, as far as the eye can see. And it it speaks volumes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the last thing I'll say is that people should be media savvy and educate themselves on, you know, the media patterns that we saw that kind of undermined Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016. Absolutely. And that's that's my last bit of advice. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I I'm sort of amazed when I watch cable news. The amount of times I look up and see only white men on my screen is just astounding. <laughs> and I just, it doesn't give me a lot of hope that we've learned very much. And I think that women and black women and um, Latinx people, that they're only, a lot of times are brought on to speak specifically about stories pertaining to their demographic. And that's just the wrong way to do it. I mean, we need people of all different voices and backgrounds talking about all of the issues because that is representative of the electorate. <laughs> like, I don't know if, if the cable networks know, but we can all, we all have the right to vote now. So like, <laughs> it would be nice to see that represented a little bit more and not feel like we're, we're starved for representation. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. 
Well, Marissa Cabus, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And until next time, keep up the good fight. <laughs>